Okay. All right, we're going to try to juggle all these things up here. Um, first of all, thank you all so much for coming out and spending your lunch time. I think it's a get out of DC day, and so um, there's usually a lot of activities that are happening, so I really appreciate you all giving of your time. And thank you, Lauren, also for the invitation, and Gabe, for your many years of friendship. We uh, were in the trenches together working on life issues, among many other really important things on the Hill for a long time. So it's, I'm really grateful. Thank you. And um, Rachel Barclay, who we prayed for earlier, is just an absolute fresh of breath air. Um, she lives her faith out in everything she does. So as you think about it this weekend, please keep her in her prayers because she's just, she and her husband and I am confident their little baby will make a great difference or continue to make a great difference in this world. So, um, so gosh, it's really great to be back here. Um, I spent 13 years up here on the Hill and faith and law was a critical component of my experience, both on the Senate and the House sides. It exposed me to ideas and um, people and really helped me connect what it is that I do on a daily basis to the faith that I profess and believe. So um, it's really great to be back. Um, so just to start, how many of you all knew what you wanted to be when you were little? You sort of like, I'm going to be a doctor, a lawyer, politician, Jovian, anyway, don't be shy, a few. Um, how many of you, as a result of that sense of calling, pursued extracurricular activities or took classes with that specific goal in mind? There's like a few of you. Don't be shy. You can like lift your hands up. Um, and then in that pursuit, some of you are still pretty young, but um, how many of you took those desires, laid them at the foot of the cross and asking God for direction, guidance, and blessing in those pursuits? Some of you. Yeah. Um, well, from fifth grade on, I could answer yes to all those questions. Um, I wanted to be a reconstructive surgeon. I wanted to repair that which was broken, sharing with my patients that God cared deeply for them, wanted to heal them on the inside, but also on the outside. I wanted to be able to share that they had a plan for their lives. And as a result of that, through middle school, high school, college, I took my studies really seriously, volunteered at the local hospital, county burn unit, shadow doctors so I could understand their sense of calling and purpose and why they did what they did. And my parents, neither of whom are doctors, they even subscribed to Physicians Magazine so I could read about doctors uh, and ha see how they too were using their gifts and talents to glorify God and to fully care for their patients. So as um, Gabe mentioned, I was pre-med in college where I majored in psychology I also received a certificate in human development, which is looking at the biopsychosocial model of development, looking at all sides, with my perspective of I really wanted to have a holistic understanding of um, like why we are, who we are, etc. And then while I was in college, I was able to team up with this unbelievable researcher, medical researcher named Dr. Harold Koenig, and he's one of the leading researchers in faith and medicine. And together, we did some original research on um, the effects of daily religious activity on and physical functioning on individuals age 65 and older. And all of these experiences sort of feeding into this real sense of, I'm going to be a doctor, uh, played into this multi-dimension of healing and health. 
I shadowed doctors, I served as a patient advocate, I did other research projects for physicians. And then at the same time as I was doing all of this, while also trying to understand organic chemistry and physics and biology, I was involved in student government, FCA, I led Bible studies, I mentored first year um, college students, and then I was also really active in my sorority among other things. To me, I had a very full life, and for me, I was gonna be a doctor, but then I also had these other interests. And I didn't really know how they all connected, but it just was. Um, as I prepared to graduate from university, I knew I needed to take some time off, and I, in particular, wanted to take some time to dig deeper in my faith. For some of you, if you're an intern, this is a great opportunity to put in a plug for a program that I did. I learned about a program called the Falls Church Fellows Program. It's a post-baccalaureate program here in DC, and you, do, you dig into your faith, you connect your faith to your work, you're part of community, you're discipled, you are discipling, and it was really important to me. So I did that, I did research at Georgetown, um, discipled a young group of women, and participated in a broader sense of service. Um, the real purpose, I think, of the Fellows Program is how to help one deepen their faith and deepen their understanding of God's Word and His character and how you live that in a fully integrated way. So if you like, just notice a few things of just that I talked about in college, holistic medicine, integrated faith, they're sort of rising up some themes that I don't think I really fully appreciated nor paid attention to, to until a little bit later. So in this process, I had no idea, you know, I'm like guns blazing, taking the MCAT, doing more research, doing the thing that I feel like the Lord has called me, um, but I had no idea that the Lord would take me in a very different direction. So earlier I asked if, if you all knew what you wanted to be when you grew up. A few of you raised your hands. Have you ever thought, just even looking back, regardless of what you knew or didn't know, have you ever stopped to think about if your interests or those things that have popped up in your life, but you kind of shrug them off as sort of in, incongruent, were actually part of your calling, were actually part of your vocation? Have you ever considered seemingly incongruent experiences, interests, passions can actually be used for God's glory? Things like travel and service, adventure, mentoring, advocacy, taking time to build community. All of those things that I just referenced are things that I was a part of while I was in college and certainly when I was younger, but I didn't really see how they connected to me being a doctor. I think maybe I was like, well, maybe I could relate to uh, people talk about doctors not having good bedside manner, and maybe I thought, well, maybe I'll have a better bedside manner. <laughs> um, it wasn't until after my fellows year that I think in that really amazing, vibrant community that I was willing to hear God's still small voice over the den of my own petitions, pursuits, and demands. I said earlier that I prayed a lot, and I felt that the Lord had really called me to medicine, but I really think I was interjecting my voice rather than listening to what he had to say. So I did another research fellowship, did lots of fellowships, right? and I got out of college and a lot of research. But afterwards I thought, gosh, you know, all my friends have had great Hill experiences, policy drives healthcare, I don't know the difference between Medicare and Medicaid, all of it has a huge impact in the way doctors practice. So perhaps maybe I too could have a Hill experience and then I could be a better doctor. 
And besides, I already had my 30-year life plan, what was another year. Um, so as I was staying, uh, setting about this effort, I had no hell experience. I didn't, I didn't know if we had a Republican or Democratic college camp, um, group on campus. I voted, but didn't volunteer on campaigns. I had no idea. And so they're like, well, you're qualified for nothing on the Hill. Even if you did a research paper and it was published, um, you, you need to start at the very bottom. So I became an intern. Um, so as I was sort of stepping into this new direction, what I thought would be a very short diversion, it was also a time when the Lord really was taking <laughs> very painstakingly uh, an effort to strip lots of idols away. Things like a quest for accolades and relationships that I had probably put a little too much importance to into, and also things like pride. I certainly, that year, was feeling quite vulnerable, but it also put me in a posture that allowed me to hear what God might have in store other than what I thought my next 30 years would look like. And as I said earlier, remember, if we sought the Lord for guidance, discernment, and wisdom, and taking every thought captive to Him, I spent a lot of time in that particular year seeking His uh, direction and knew in my heart, and I think cerebrally in my head, that God is the one who opens doors, he also closes them, and he also puts desires in our hearts. And if you read Romans 3 through 8, the Lord, um, Paul describes different gifts of the body. He talks about that there are many members, and each has different functions, and all of them are designed to bring honor and glory to God maybe through prophesying or serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy. All of those things are incredibly important. But before he goes into that specific passage, Paul describes the service of the body, or as describing the service of the body and all of our different functions, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So during my internship, I spent a lot of time in prayer, as I said, reading of the word, being transformed by the renewing of my mind, and waiting on direction. And I should note I applied to 20 medical schools and so I was really in the throes of them. Um, but I was also very much testing what God's will was for me in this next step. One morning after a long period of silence and prayer, um, during this fall while I was interning for another member, um, I just knew I wasn't supposed to go to medical school. It was so clear. And it was as if this huge burden on my shoulders had been lifted off and placed elsewhere. And then it was like, Oh my gosh, now what? Well, and then a few weeks later, the member for whom I was interning lost his re-election. And as I was telling Lauren, I, my first thought was, oh my gosh, what am I going to tell my peers at my five-year college reunion? Well, I mean, that just goes to the whole thrust of the whole year, like the issues of pride. It, who cares what I had done in those five years? But it certainly got to the root of my heart and where it was. So instead of doing the thing that I probably would have done, 
um, which was sort of weighed out and then told people, oh, I chose not to go to medical school. I just flat out withdrew all my applications. I'd never done anything like that before. And I had to trust because soon thereafter, as I said, the member lost his reelection. So I was like not even an intern. I went from a fellow to an intern to nothing. And I just was like, wow. But I will say that it was somewhat disorienting. However, through Bible study and prayer and the help of wise and godly mentors, I learned that my vocation and gifts can be revealed not with a very specific title like doctor or I'm going to be a cranial facial reconstructive surgeon, um, but that it could be described in other ways like encourager and listener, connector, someone who's a catalyst, an advocate, someone who has empathy, someone who has a respect and ad, uh, consciousness, has a sense of consciousness and service creativity, someone who holds deep value for an appreciation for life and human potential. All of those things that eventually, that I, as I paused and sort of stepped into this new role on the Hill, all had incredible value. So what has this meant since, you know, what did that mean over the next now, gosh, 15, 16, 17 years since I'm not a doctor? Instead of being able to heal in the literal sense through the practice of medicine, God has taken me on a very different path where I've been able to see the dead come back to life through the policies that we create up here on Capitol Hill. And those that have seen that society is deemed invaluable, they now have a future, some of which because of policy, but also because of the innovation and the things that people are doing around this country that I wasn't aware of. Earlier, I mentioned some of my gifts and talents include encouraging, connecting, serving, empathizing, catalyzing, and respecting. While I was on Capitol Hill, all of those things were things that I used every single day, and they became integral to how I did my life and how I did my work. And as other faith and law speakers have said, it was able, I was able to see my new vocation in a seamless and integrated life something that other um, individuals that like Oz Guinness and others have talked about. Again, that theme of like holistic, holistic living, that integration. So while I was on Capitol Hill, I covered a lot of different issues. I started out with healthcare and welfare. I added education and workforce programs and worked a lot on life and the dignity of life and bioethics. The issues like anti-poverty pro programs, domestic and abroad. I also handled better and housing issues. As many of you know, when you work on the Hill, you become a jack of many trades. Um, but for the members that I worked for in the House, in the Senate, on committees and leadership, for each of those individuals, those members were committed to serving his or her constituents. And my job is to help them to fulfill that by using the gifts and talents that I was starting to awaken to. For 13 years, I met with constituents on the Hill in their districts. I listened to their concerns. I celebrated line, uh, milestones. I learned how the policies in Washington were connecting to their everyday lives through health, education, welfare. I learned the history of policy issues, like why did we create this law? What was their original intent? And how do we strengthen them? Or how do we start from scratch? I worked with members themselves, constituents, advocates to come up with creative solutions to make government work for people rather than the reverse. 
I built relationships across Capitol Hill in the House and Senate, learning from people who had greater knowledge and understanding than I did about issues, but also who had different perspectives. And together, we were able to work to advance policies that unlock human potential. I formed coalitions on the issues I cared about and those that were important to the members I worked for. And at the end of the day, all of these interests, all the things that I mentioned, they were all interests but I didn't really see how I could add value to them, let alone um, my contribution, until I was thrown in the midst of it. And those seemingly incongruent experiences were suddenly all incredibly relevant, been able to draw upon all of those different things. So as I worked with people across the hill, across the country, on a broad range of issues, I was able to connect the seemingly incongruent passions to the policies that we were trying to do. And while I was on the Hill, and certainly while I worked for Speaker Boehner, I learned to be attuned to God's voice and his nudges, which enabled me to draw upon prior experiences during those meetings, those phone calls, giving tours. Um, and then later, I, I mentioned earlier that I was able to see the dead to come back to life. And I had a tangible experience of that. A couple years ago, I was in Tanzania where I was looking at the impact, it was a, um, a staff trip where we were looking at the impact of how our global health and international development policies were having, um, were serving individuals in the communities we visited. And while I was there on this HIV AIDS fact-finding trip, um, I met men and women and children who previously had a death sentence. If you had been there in 2003, these are individuals that within a matter of months would have died millions of children would be without parents. But because of the generosity of the American people and through legislation like the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief, lives are being lived. Families are now intact. Kids are in school. Parents are able to work. And as a result, Tanzania has a far better and far more thriving community than anybody ever thought possible. And a large of that, that was because of the generosity of the people, but also policy. And so I was able to take those experiences and work with my contacts across the hill to ensure that we were able to reauthorize that program at a time when politically it was quite toxic and individuals thought it was impossible. I will say that thanks to the members of, a passionate member of Congress, Mr. Hoekstra, I was introduced to education policy. I didn't really think much of it. I obviously, we all went to school in some capacity or another and um, didn't really think about how federal policy impacts individuals' day-to-day -day lives. But because of his experience and because of um, his impact, I have been able to spend 15 years working on policies to expand access to charter schools, um, opportunities to give scholarships to individuals to pursue um, private school options, essentially policies that have unlocked that potential that every child deserves, that they deserve to be able to seek the best learning environment that best serves their needs. Just a couple, actually two weeks ago, I was here at a DC charter school and was able to visit um, with a friend of mine who founded this school who is creating this vibrant learning environment that is committed to preparing her scholars for 21st century skills. Every kid learns coding starting in the sixth grade and they're connecting that to everything that they do, whether it's history or math, whether it's science, whether it's how they live out their lives and it's pretty awesome. 
So in 2015, when Speaker Boehner was announcing that he was about to retire, it was a shock to all of us. It was actually in a conference meeting. Um, we were talking about a life issue. Um, it was during a time when Planned Parenthood had been uncovered that they were selling fetal baby body parts. Um, and we were trying to figure out what was our next step. So Boehner gives this profound speech. It was the day after the Pope had been here. He was telling the members of how we were going to proceed forward so we could avert a government shutdown at the time. That was not a good thing to do. Um, and then he announces that he is retiring. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Um, just like many years ago, I sought the Lord for discernment. And it became very clear that I needed to continue to work on the issues that I care about. Some would, uh, had changed a little bit over time. But ultimately, I wanted to see how the policies that we execute and deliver on in Washington, how does that play out in the real world, at the state level, the local level? And how does that, that does, the, does it really unlock the human potential and the opportunity that we think it does while we're here? So at the Philanthropy Roundtable, I serve philanthropists across the country, men and women who are determined to break down barriers to opportunity by creating vibrant learning environments for children, no matter their zip code and no matter their background. I work with individuals, advocates, practitioners, entrepreneurs who are using their time, talent, and treasure to bring this vision to fruition. I connect with people and their ideas. I use them to support the educational, the sort of emerging educational ecosystem in Puerto Rico. Um, earlier this week, I was in Milwaukee where I visited St. Augustine uh, Preparatory Academy, which is providing um, students, 96% of these students in Milwaukee are eligible for free and reduced lunch. And these kids are now attending this amazing private school that is committed to advancing these four pillars of faith, family, academics, in athletics and art, the last ones combined. Um, and these are young people, predominantly Hispanic families with very limited means. The opportunity to become the next generation of lawyers and doctors and teachers and artists and politicians and business leaders. I spent a lot of time with some amazing innovators while I was on my trip to Milwaukee this week and they are creating that opportunity for these young people and it was awesome. So in my new job, after a long career in public policy, I'm able to use those same passions and gifts and experiences to serve people who are determined to break down barriers to opportunity. So what I've learned over these last years, and I'm still learning it, <laughs> is that our journey really isn't our own. And it really, at the end of the day, we need to put Christ at the center and at the helm of our lives. So as I think about all of you, whether you're here for a short time as an intern or you believe you're going to be up here for 25 years or longer, I would encourage you to put your relationship first with Christ. Use things like faith and law to build community, to sharpen you, to deepen your understanding not only of God's word, but its application to the policies that we look at. Just being a Republican or a Democrat or a liberal or a progressive, sometimes as believers, we don't fit neatly in those boxes. But our responsibility as the body of Christ is to use our talents to bring people together. So I encourage you, 
as that, those ambassadors to do excellent work. Don't cut corners. And remember always who you're serving. Yes, you're serving their member. And yes, you're serving the constituents that elected your member. And without that, you wouldn't even have a job. Um, but remember, you serve God first. And as a result of that, advance policies that affirm life and, doesn't, and don't destroy it. So as I began, I had my 30-year life plan, um, and I was going to be a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Um, but I do, as I did before, I'm determined to follow Christ down the narrow path and be doing it by encouraging, serving, connecting, respecting, empathizing, and listening to others. Thank you.